Reality Ventura, it's so sweet to be with you all today. Um, Before we get into the text, I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, I love you and thank you. And and you might be wondering, you know, why why is he thanking us? Um, Well, as Reality Carpentry has been going through our transition, um, God put it on the hearts of, of several people here, specifically in the worship ministry, to partner with us in helping to rebuild the worship culture at Reality Carpinteria. And so whether you knew it or not, you were sending worship leaders to Carpinteria, sending Dom, sending Katie, sending Emily, sending Amy, sending Brian, sending all of these people to help not only lead us in worship, but help kind of get our, our church back on its own two feet. And so you were all a part of that. Um, And so God bless you and and thank you that we've seen so much health, so much healing. We've seen this worship culture rebuilt. And it's not just the leaders, it's it's, it's you all for supporting them and and, and supporting us. And so um, thank you. And it's 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 a joy to just be able to be with you and to serve you in some small way. So as Tim mentioned, I'll be preaching from the Gospel of Luke. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and get those out and meet me in verse 41. I'll be reading Luke 2, verses 41 through 52, and I'll pray and we'll jump in. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover, When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Did you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, we believe that these words are your words inspired by you, and we believe that, Holy Spirit, you can illuminate these words to our minds and hearts, that you can teach us, and so we invite you into this place to lead us, to teach us, and believe that it's your delight to glorify Jesus, and so we pray that you would do just that. Lord, that you would magnify the glory of the Lord Jesus in our minds, in our hearts, in our gathering, our relationships, our churches. Lord Jesus, be exalted over and above everything else. Spirit of God, teach us now as we dive into your word and hear what you would say to us today. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
Well, I've been thinking quite a bit lately, um, frustrated with myself lately, at how easily I can spiral into discontentment. Uh, this I actually will partially blame on Tim Chaddock. I'm sure a psychologist will tell me it's all from my childhood, but I blame Tim. Uh, there was a, a time in a conversation about a particular ministry project, uh, and, and the, the temptation to go through the motions, and Tim looked at me and he said, Adam, make it awesome. And so that's just been my mantra in ministry, is it must be awesome. Let's make it awesome. And it was just speaking to my perfectionism. It was just speaking to my, my desire to do that. Jesus is awesome, amen? Jesus is excellent. And so the way we live, the way we minister, the way we serve should reflect him as such. And so it just spoke to my heart and gave me all the enablement I needed to just be a rock-solid perfectionist. <laughs> There's always something. I can always come up with something to make the situation better. And that's not a good thing. That, that leads me to discontentment, that leads me to frustration. I remember uh, talking to my wife on vacation once. We were you know, at, at the hotel, sitting by the, the pool. The kids were, were playing. I've got three boys, and they're playing in the water, and I'm telling her this, and she says, well, what about now? How would you make this situation better now? I didn't have to think about it. I was like, it could be warmer. Just the little thing, like I just, and so it's, it's, it's robbed me of the ability to experience the moment and the, and, the, and the good things right in front of me. I'm especially aware of this discontentment during the holidays, during the Christmas season. No matter how hard I try, I cannot seem to recreate the Christmas experience I remember from my childhood. I used to think that it was all about the traditions. This is how we did it as a kid, and so we need to do that here, and then Christmas will be right, right? For me, it was all about how you conduct the present opening ceremony, right? There are two kinds of families in the world. There are those that open presents on Christmas morning where it is just a free-for-all. Every man, woman, and child for themselves, right? And then there is the proper way to open presents, which is one at a time so everyone can enjoy not only the receiving, but the giving and, oh, the joy on the face, right? That is the right way to do it. And so in the beginning, I remember, we're opening presents wrong. That's why I'm not enjoying Christmas. And so I thought it was about the traditions, and, and if I can just keep the traditions of my childhood, then I will experience the Christmas of my childhood. But that joy and the delight that I remember as a kid always just remained just out of grasp. See, growing up, Christmas was always the same every year. You wake up, you run downstairs, you open presents, have breakfast, play with your toys. My family would always drive to Santa Barbara to have dinner at my Nona's house where there'd be more presents, and, and then we'd drive back to Lompoc. I'd fall asleep in the car, and my dad would carry me to bed, right? It doesn't get any better than that. To, be, to, to, to live in a time where you get carried to bed is amazing. And so I've tried to recreate these things, but every year that goes by, there's more and more distance between not only me and those events, uh, not only me and those memories, but, but even distance between me and those feelings of carefree joy. There's not 
often seasons where I just rest in that and experience that. And in the place of that, that, that delight, that, 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 um, that peace, has been this deep longing for the way things were. Because everything in life is different now. Everything is, is different. In my, my life, my family, there's, there's new people. As, as my siblings and I and my cousins have gotten married and had families of our own, those Christmases have new people there. And so it's changed in a sweet way, but it's still, it's still different. And we've also lost people way too soon. And so some of the biggest personalities in the room are no longer there. And so everything is, is different. It's not the same anymore. So I have a hard time enjoying fully the, the good things in front of me because I've realized recently that I'm actually homesick. I'm homesick not for a place, but for a time and for, for memories, for a feeling. I'm homesick for something that doesn't exist anymore. Maybe some of you can, can relate this longing to return to a place that's no longer there, or at least not in the same way. In an interview, novelist Kurt Vonnegut reflected on this idea of home. He's quoted as saying, where is home? I've wondered where home is, and I realized it's Indianapolis. When I was nine years old, I had a brother and a sister, a cat and a dog, and a mother and a father, and uncles and aunts, and there is no way I can get there again. This idea of home that Vonnegut is describing is not a place. It's not even people in a particular place. It's the people and the place in a time when our identity is most formally shaped, for better or for worse. And so according to Vonnegut, home is a place to which he can never return. I mentioned earlier I grew up a little north of here in the booming metropolis of Lompoc, California. <laughs> and I can, by the way, that's how it's pronounced, okay? Stop saying Lompoc, all right? It's Lompoc. Uh, I, can, I, can, I can talk some trash about Lompoc. I didn't exactly love growing up there, um, but I've realized that even people who grew up not far from Lompoc have never been there because there's no reason. <laughs> Unless you have friends or family in the newly renamed Vandenberg Space Force Base or the Lompoc Federal Penitentiary, there's no reason, there's no reason to go there. I, I, I can talk trash about it, but Lompoc is my home. You ask me, where, where is home? It's not just, it's not just Lompoc, but it's, it's falling asleep on my bed in the afternoon listening to music because I don't have a care in the world because my, my homework's done. My mom's downstairs making dinner. I can smell it, and dad's on his way home. That's home. That's, that's, what, that's that place of, of freedom, of peace, of, of carefree joy. I can go back to Lompoc. I can go back to that same house where my mom still lives. I can go back to that bedroom, but I can't go home. Home's not there anymore. Where is home for you? Maybe it's better to ask, when was home for you? 
Who was with you? What were you safe from? Where did home go? Every new year that comes and goes, it puts more distance between us and home. Some will lean into that and and spend an entire life trying to run from home, trying to put as much distance between themselves and the pain of home. Others will strain themselves to, to recreate a home that can't exist. Either way, home creates a longing in all of us that is impossible to satisfy. We can never truly leave home completely. We always carry it with us, whether in nostalgia or in pain. It's always with us, and yet neither can we return to it. All of us, we're all longing for home. We're all longing for that place in life where everything is as it should be. And you might get glimpses of it, right? That nostalgia, right? Whether it's, it's visiting your childhood home or talking to an old friend on the phone, maybe tasting, uh, you know, a favorite recipe that your grandmother used to make. For me, it's 80s and 90s country songs, can listen to Garth Brooks and just instantly remember home. It's what was playing at every family barbecue. It was what was playing in my dad's truck. We get glimpses of home. We get flashes of experiences and familiar feelings. But as a whole, everything is different as we grow up and as we change and our families grow up and change. Everything is different and home is just a memory. So we're going to get into the Luke 2 text in just a moment, but I want to show how these, this idea of home and, and longing for home are themes that stretch from the beginning to the end of the Bible. Scripture teaches that humanity as a whole has not been home since the Garden of Eden. The garden at creation was our home, and it was also God's home. The humans and God lived together and walked in the cool breeze of the day in the garden. There was this unbroken intimacy between the man and the woman and between them and God. They were safe. The place in all the world where they belonged was in the garden. It was their home and they had everything that they needed right there in front of them. But then you know the story. Right? Satan comes in and deceives them and makes the humans believe that God is holding out on them. And so they rebel against God. And just like any betrayal that you experience in life, that intimacy between the man and the woman and that intimacy between them and God was hindered. And they hid from one another and they, they hid from God. Their intimacy was damaged. And then the humans were sent into exile. They were sent away from their home in the garden to wait for the day when God would bring someone to redeem them from their sin and invite them back home into the presence of God. And so this home and exile is like the inhale and exhale in Scripture when the children of Israel are wandering in the wilderness away from any sense of home. God gives them instructions to build the tabernacle. 
right, and prescribes rituals that they should undergo in order to enter his presence in the tabernacle. The tabernacle was this picture of returning to Eden, returning back to the presence of God. It was a place wherever the people would go throughout the wilderness where they could go and be in God's presence. The tabernacle was the place where God and humans could occupy the same space at the same time. The tabernacle was the place where heaven and earth came together. And then when God brought them into a home, into the promised land, and instructed them to build the temple, the temple became that place where the the center of Israel's worship uh, took place and where the presence of God dwelled in the midst of Israel. And so when they would approach the temple, they would approach the presence of God. And it was a place where God and humans were to dwell together. It was returning to Eden. It was returning to the garden where God and humans occupied the same space at the same time. The people were home in God's presence. But then again, the people rebel. They worship false gods and they're sent into exile away from the promised land and away from the temple. Again, to wait for God to bring them back home. And he did. But when they come back home, they realize it wasn't the same. They returned from exile. They came back into Jerusalem. They rebuilt the city. They rebuilt the temple. And there was this huge celebration. But the older generation who remembered the former temple wept. Because this new rebuilt temple was not as grand as Solomon's temple. Everything was different. There was so much to celebrate. They were no longer in exile. They were back in the land, but they would never truly be back home. And so there's a word to describe those who are far from home and can't find their way back. It's called being lost. And so humanity, apart from the presence of God, humanity is lost. But our text today in Luke 2 tells us an interesting story speaks to this concept in a very beautiful way. See, when Jesus is 12 years old, he goes with his family to Jerusalem to the Passover feast. And when his family returned home from Jerusalem, Jesus was not with them, and they lost him. I always picture the scene, um, picture Mary on, on a wagon, right, in a cart being pulled by, you know, a donkey or two, and and, you know, she just gets the unsettling feeling that something is not right. And then, like, in a moment of terror, she, she shoots up. And it's like that scene on the airplane from Home Alone, right? And she's like, Jesus! Come on, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? Kevin! That movie holds up. It's, go back and watch. It's good. And so they, they, they've lost him. Jesus is not with them. They search everywhere and they go back to Jerusalem and they continue searching for him and he's gone three days. He's lost for three days. Beginning of the year when my family moved to Carpinteria, we decided that it wasn't enough to live through a pandemic, start a new job, start a new church, move to a new town, but we decided that we'd we'd get a puppy because... (laughs) Because that's what you do, right? And so we got a puppy. And in the first few weeks of this puppy, I thought that it had gotten out in the front gate. Um, the Amazon 
person came and left the gate open and the dog was in the front yard and then we couldn't find the dog and we freaked out and I was running down the street calling for him and, and he was asleep on the lawn in the, in, the fr- in the front yard the whole time, but we, we didn't know it. He, we thought he was gone for three minutes and I was, I was terrified. And he's not the savior of the world. Can you imagine losing the savior of the world for three days? Like, they knew who he was. The angel came to Mary, and she lost him for three days. When they finally find him, he's in the temple, and he's confused. He's like, why were you looking for me? Didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? And so what I want us to realize is this, that since the Garden of Eden Humanity has, has been without a home. And, and, and apart from the presence of God, humanity is lost. But Jesus is the only person since the garden who has never been lost. Even at 12 years old, when his parents forgot him, he wasn't lost. He knows exactly where he needs to be. Jesus is never lost. Right? If home is that place where God and humans dwell in the same place at the same time, Jesus is fully God and fully human. Like in Eden, like in the tabernacle, like in the temple, Jesus is where heaven and earth meet, God and humanity occupying the same space at the same time in the person of Jesus. He is the promised land. He is Eden, not because he's literally those things, but because he fully embodies what those places represent, God and humans in perfect unity. And so even as a child... 12 years old, Jesus recognizes this unique relationship that he has with God. He was God's son. And as such, he belonged in the temple. He belonged in his father's house. He belonged where the spirit of God was living in the midst of his people. And this is good news. This is good news because though Mary and Joseph thought they had misplaced him, Jesus can't be misplaced. He is never not in his place. Those of you who have kids know what it's like to constantly be looking for things that have been misplaced. Like I said, I've got three boys. They're 11, 10, and 7. And things are constantly being misplaced. I once found the remote control for the TV in the car. (laughs) Honestly, I have no idea how that happened. I wish I could blame it all on my kids, uh, but I can't. One of the reasons I can't find things is because I can't find things. Uh, It's become such a joke in my house. The other day, my wife is out, and I'm looking for the dog's leash. And so I text her. I say, Katie, do you know where Zeke's leash is? And without, like, blinking an eye, she responds, send me a picture of the living room, and I'll find it for you. (laughs) She's fully convinced that it's just there and I can't see it. See, Jesus, he he can't be misplaced. He's, He's God with us. And so we can't can't lose him. We can't misplace him. There's going to be seasons in our life and faith where we might feel distant from him. 
where we're not experiencing his presence in, in a manifest, powerful way. It's in those seasons that, that we can begin to feel like we've done something wrong, like, we've, like we have misplaced him, like we've left him behind somewhere. But Jesus is never lost. He knows exactly where he is. He knows exactly where you are. And he knows exactly what he's doing in your life. Though he can't be misplaced, sometimes we, we do mistakenly place our, our faith in the wrong things. Sometimes when we feel distant, it's because we've been trusting in something other than Jesus for a season. Maybe when money is tight, you feel like, God, do you even see me? You even know where I am. And it's not because God is distant or somehow he's lost you, but it's maybe because we're, we're looking for salvation in, in something, other, something other than him. And so that experience of intimacy, that experience of closeness, that experience is hindered. Jesus hasn't gone anywhere. He's right there. And sometimes when we're aware of our misplaced faith, we feel like we need to, you know, call out a search party. We need to like start at ground zero and start rebuilding our faith. Maybe you're here today and, and maybe, you've, maybe you've walked away from Jesus for a while. Maybe, maybe you've had the faith in your youth, maybe you've experienced things in life that have, have not just put a separation between you and, and him spiritually, but you've separated yourself from the body of Christ. You've separated yourself from the church. You've separated yourself from the word of God. You've separated yourself from prayer. Maybe, 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 maybe that's you. Maybe today is the first day back. Maybe this season has been this attempt to come back, to find your way home. I just want you to know you don't have to, you don't start over with God. You ever have those friends from childhood that you run into like 20 years later and you just pick up right where you left off? God doesn't want to drag you through the dirt and make you like feel the pain of leaving him behind. You, he was lost and didn't know what to do without you. That's not... That's not the case. He's, he's with you. He's Emmanuel. He's God with you. You don't need to send out the search party. You just need to trust and cast yourselves upon him. Though our faith may be misplaced for a season even, Jesus will not be misplaced. Though we may misuse him, Try to get things from him rather than delighting in his presence alone. Though we might misprioritize him in our lives, he is always pursuing us. He is always looking for us. And so, in Christ, if you have put your faith in Jesus, in Christ, you are never lost. You can't be. You can't be lost. The home that we long for, that place of safety, that place of familiarity, that comfort of knowing that all is as it should be, it can only be found in Jesus. It can only be found in Emmanuel, in God with us, like the garden and like the temple. Humanity is home in Christ. The only place we will ever experience home is in Jesus Christ. In this new year, you're going to experience things that you don't understand. You're going to, there's going to be joys, there's going to be pains, there's going to be good news, there'll be bad news. In this next year, you're going to need comfort, you're going to need counsel, you're going to need wisdom. But if you know Jesus, 
then you'll never be lost. And you'll not be far from home. If you know Jesus, then you've already been pursued. You have already been lost, but now you've been found. Apart from Jesus, we are lost, we're confused, aimless, and without hope. But Jesus is the one who left the 99 in pursuit of the one. And when he does, he rejoices over you as a treasure. And he clings to that as a treasure. You're not car keys. You're not the remote control to the TV. He doesn't forget where he puts you. You are found. You are perpetually found in Jesus, never to be lost again. And this means that if you are in Christ and you are never lost, then it means you're never alone. That Jesus is always with you. Whatever you experience this year, Jesus is always with you. The very presence of God dwells within those who believe and nothing can separate you from him. Not even sin can tear you away from him. Sin can hinder our experience of him. But when you first came to Jesus, your sins passed present and future were covered, atoned for. He died for them. They are forgiven. And so no sin can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Our disobedience can hinder our experience of him, but his presence never leaves us. He's faithful to his promises to never leave you or forsake you. You are never alone. You're never alone. Jesus is with you. You're never alone because your church family is for you. Your church family is is for you even when we disagree about important things. Even when it's hard to see eye to eye on stuff going on in the world or politics or whatever else it may be. We're family. That's more important than anything that could divide us when you're in need your family in Christ. I know for a fact that when you're in need, not just the organization, Reality Ventura, but the people, you, will be here for one another, to support one another, to care for one another, to provide for one another. When you're hurting, your family in Christ, not just the organization, not just the pastors, but your family in Christ, the people sitting next to you, the people in this sanctuary will grieve with you. Will just be with you because they love you. When there's something to be excited about, when you're experiencing joy, they'll be here to rejoice with you. How much greater is it not just to enjoy something, but to say, hey, look at this thing that God has done, and then them see it and go, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Now you're celebrating with one another. You're never alone. Jesus is with you. Your church family is for you. The way culture is moving, people are being driven away from one another, isolated from one another, divided against one another, but the church is united in Christ, and therefore we are indivisible. We cannot be divided in God's economy. And so as a family, as brothers and sisters, and as sons and daughters of God, as we enter this new year, you need to know that in Christ, you're never alone. In Christ, you're never lost. But you need to know that you belong in your Father's house. You belong in the house of God.
See, Jesus knew that he had a special relationship with the Father. At a very young age, he had a special relationship with God. He, he belonged in his Father's house. And in Christ, we have been granted access to that relationship. Peter says that we have become partakers of the divine nature. That we get to experience the relationship that Jesus had with his Father by the presence of the indwelling Spirit who unites us to Christ. We get to participate in that eternal love. You've been granted access to that special relationship. You are a child of your Father in heaven, and so like Jesus, you belong in your Father's house. No matter how the world changes or how far from home you may feel, no matter how difficult or terrifying any new normal might be, you are at home in Jesus and in the gathering of his people. Many of you have experienced the loss of home this last year or the last couple of years. Maybe you've moved away from family. Maybe you went off to school. Maybe you're in, in, in college and so you're learning to live on your own. Or maybe you've recently gotten married. Or maybe you've, maybe you've lost somebody. My home disappeared almost 15 years ago when my father passed away from cancer. Home, home's not the same. Home's not there. Never will be. Maybe that's your experience, not just over the holidays, but in life. Life's never going to be the same. Things are different. Maybe COVID has changed everything in your world. When we have these experiences of feeling away from home or, or losing home, these experiences of exile, where you belong, where home is, is in your father's house in the house of God. See, I've been experiencing a lot of frustration, a lot of discontentment in, in my life, a lot of, uh, a lot, as I was talking about earlier, discontentment in any situation, this general discouragement that I'm, that I'm not home and, and, and just frustrated sometimes that no matter what I do, I can't seem to find that place of peace and safety. It's gotten to the point where Sometimes I'll just get frustrated. Uh, I'll come home from church and, 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 and want, want to walk through the doors of my home and experience home, but with three young boys, there's no, there's no peace. And so I can get, I can get frustrated. That like, I just, I just wanted to come home. Like I just wanted to come home to, to a peaceful place. I just wanted to come home where I didn't have to worry about anything. I didn't have to do anything. I just, I just want, I want to relax. I want to go back onto my bed and listen to music and have somebody make dinner. And I just want dad to be on his way home. I just want that again. And I get frustrated sometimes when it's not, it's not possible. I can't experience it now. But this is what I've realized. I've realized that my responsibility as a, as a husband, as a father, as a pastor is not to sit back and enjoy home. Maybe you're here and you're a parent, mother, father, whatever it is, husband, wife. God is calling us to be homemakers. Not, not home consumers, but home builders. 
to, to invest in a place, to create a home for others, especially as, as husbands and fathers, to, not, to, 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 to build a home for your family, to build the place of, of safety and peace for your family to thrive, for your children to thrive. Even for your friends to thrive, to know that they can come to your house and experience some sense of belonging, experience some sense of home. For non-believers even to come see that and go, what in the world is going on with this place? And it's because Jesus is there building a home for people to belong in. We are to be homemakers, and Jesus is our example in this. See, though Jesus is never lost, he does know what it's like to be away from home. He's the son of God. And he left his kingdom, left his throne in heaven to come to earth. He left his glory in eternity to take on humanity. Jesus once said, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. He was homeless. Even when he visited his hometown of Nazareth, the people rejected him. They wouldn't listen to him. They wouldn't hear him. And later in his ministry, he would return again to the temple, to his father's house. But the religious leaders would reject him and, and kick him out of the temple. They accused him of blasphemy, saying that he and the father were one. And so they, tried, they tried to arrest him, but Jesus escaped. And they would eventually be successful. They would eventually arrest Jesus. And even as he suffered, even as he was nailed to the cross, it was done so outside of the city. It was done outside of Jerusalem. It was done outside of the city of the king where Jesus belonged. It was done in exile and away from where he was supposed to be. He received that exile in order to bring his family back into the presence of God. He said he was going, as he was getting ready to die, he said, I'm, I, where I'm going, you cannot come. But where I'm going, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to prepare a place for you in my father's house. He's making a home for those who believe. He did it all to, to restore intimacy, to restore us, uh, to that, that intimacy that we had lost in the garden. He did it to bring us home into his father's house, to bring us home into his kingdom and glory. And so, Reality Ventura, as you step into this new year, it's going to be tempting to try to fix everything in your life. It's what we do. It's the new year, new me. I need to fix this, I need to fix that, I need to mend this relationship, I need to lose X amount of weight, I need to pursue this career, I need to change this, change that, whatever it is. So many people, we just approach the new year and, and, and think that we need to change everything. Maybe you've made resolutions, you've got your, your vision board, right? You're getting really excited about 2022. But I just want you to know, that you don't have to change anything to belong. You don't have to change a single thing in order to find belonging in your father's house. But as you dwell in your father's house, as you live among God's people, you will find that the Holy Spirit is transforming you from the inside out in ways that you never thought imaginable. You don't have to change anything to belong because you belong to Jesus. 
You belong in in the gathering of God's people. You belong with those who know what it means to have been lost, but now are found. Every one of you that has put their faith in Jesus knows what it's like to be lost and now found. You belong as a part of God's story. This this grand story that God has been telling us in Scripture about the home that we were made for, the home that we have lost, the home that we've been striving for, and the home that we have been granted by grace, and ultimately the home that we will receive in the new heavens and the new earth when Christ returns to restore all things. Together we're waiting for the conclusion of that story, the day when God will once again dwell with his people as they did in the Garden of Eden. He will dwell with us in the new heavens and the new earth. That sense of home, that sense of belonging that we can experience just a fraction of, maybe in a worship gathering, maybe in a Bible study, maybe in those times when you're alone in prayer or singing a particular song to Jesus, that feeling of satisfaction, that feeling of rest, that feeling of no longer being in exile, that feeling that feels so strong, but then we're frustrated when it's so fleeting, that experience experience is only a shadow of what you've been made for. It's only a shadow of what is coming, that the kingdom of God has broken into this world. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it, and the kingdom will come on earth as it is in heaven, and we will experience belonging. We will experience home. We will experience freedom from that homesickness that, that, that we carry with us. We will experience freedom in the presence of Jesus. Jesus for eternity. This is what we're waiting for. And this is what we have the guarantee of. Because Jesus not only died on the cross to remove the barrier of sin that separates us from God, but he ascended into heaven to give his Holy Spirit to his people. That Spirit of God is the down payment. God's presence in us. God's presence with us. Uniting us to Jesus. Uniting us to one another. It's the the first fruits, the down payment of what we will receive when the kingdom comes fully and is consummated in this world. That's what we're waiting for. That's what we're promised of. And in the meantime, we get to come here. We get to come to our Father's house. We get to experience glimpses of it, flashes of the kingdom that will be. We get to experience that when we worship together in this place. And so no matter what happens this year, things that you prepare for or things that you don't prepare for, Let us continue to gather together in our Father's house because in Christ, you always have a home. In Christ, you will always be home. In Christ, you are perpetually found. Let's pray together. Jesus, we believe that your scriptures are true. God, we believe that you are who you say you are, that you have done what you said you have done. And we believe that you have given us a home in our Father's house. Lord, that we don't need to go to a temple in Jerusalem to enter the house of our God. We just need to come together, the body of Christ, the people of God, and exalt your name, and you're with us. God, I pray for anyone who's, who's here today that has, has felt distant 
God, I pray that you'd welcome them home. God, I pray for those who are experiencing that loss of home, whether it's a loss of someone that they love or just change. God, we pray that you would keep their eyes on Jesus moving forward to, in confidence, knowing that, that you are bringing them home. God, I pray that you would fill your people with peace, Lord, with joy, knowing that all of this is accomplished by what you have done, not by what we have done. And God, we ask that you would stir in us gratitude and worship, and Lord, that longing that we have would, would be fanned into flame into a desperation for Jesus that you would then satisfy so that you would get all the glory. Pray that you would do that among us now. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.